Hello everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series we're doing called Developing a Disciple's Heart. This series is all about uh, uh, the, the question that Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? I've said it was really, what's the most important thing? And his answer is amazingly profound, and yet something that we really have to dig deeper into is very simple. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That everything else kind of hangs on those things. And so, uh, practically, we've looked at that, and we've said that in order to do that, what we need to be doing is, is we need to be thankful. I've encouraged you to be thankful for at least five things every day, that it helps us to remember all God has done and is doing in our lives and to love Him back appropriately. To encourage at least two people every day, that gets us loving others and outside of ourselves. And that the best way that we can love ourselves is by doing the next right thing. That these are the basics of, of being a disciple. Then I've also said that it would be great if we could if we could always do those things every day and as simple as they are, and yet we don't always get there. We get um, distracted, we get busy, we get focused on other things, our sin gets in the way, our issues pop up, all sorts of things happen. And so we've decided that we're going to take it deeper, and that we are developing what we've called a primer, priming the pump of our disciples' heart so we can get better connected to the Lord throughout the day, so that when we get sidetracked, hopefully we're more in tune with the spirits, we catch it quicker and move back on track throughout the day, because that's where life is found. And so we're, we're going through seven sections of Scripture together. We finished the first one on getting focused, which is Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. We spent a lot of weeks on that. You know, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, place by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way open for us through uh, the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience having our bodies washed with pure water and it goes from there and I know it and hopefully that you're you're knowing it too but you're you're getting focused every day uh, understanding we have access to the most holy place um, because of the Jesus and what he's done and the, the life he's modeled for us and that God sees us in him and that all these things impact us so that we can get really focused on who he is and what it means to be a child of God. Well, we finished that series, uh, that set of scripture, and now we're moving into uh, the second sort of area uh, that we're talking about, which is getting thankful. And we're using Philippians 4, 4 through 8 as the backdrop for that, that, this section, and we're, we're digging into that every day as we go. Uh, and uh, we started last week with Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. And we talked about what that means, that, that our joy is found in the Lord, but, and I told you that, that, that we are His joy. And we, we dug into that and what that means. And because we're His joy, because He endured the cross for us, that we should always find our joy in Him. And we said it doesn't mean that we pretend to be happy, but that in, in, in spite of difficult circumstances, we can find a settledness and peace in the Lord, having access to Him, and that's what joy is really all about. Well, Paul takes that concept of joy and he connects it with what we're going to be looking at today in Philippians 4-5. We're going to talk about gentleness, but uh, two things before we do that. I promised you a really bad joke this week, and, and uh, I know some of you remember that and you want to hear it. And so I, I have this for you, and, uh, and so I, I hope you'll be able to listen to the rest of the message after this. So uh, most of you have heard of, of, of Gandhi very important figure in, in his country in India and a very mystical sort of figure and uh, um, 
he walked everywhere he walked. Uh, he went with bare foot and, and bare feet, and so as a result of that, he got very thick, hard calluses on the bottom of his feet. And also, in, in trying to make changes in his country, um, he he did a lot of hunger strikes. But he also, uh, you know, fasted a lot in in his life as well. And so he was very sort of uh, a tiny person, very very frail in his appearance. And also, as a result of the eating situations, um, apparently he suffered from very very bad breath as well. And that this was all a part. And because of these things, he became known as a super calloused, fragile mystic plagued with halitosis. I told you it was bad. That's really bad, isn't it? But you'll be thinking about it. What was that? Super callous, fragile, mystic, plagued with halitosis. <laughs> There'll be a test at the end of the message. Okay. So that's out of the way. Our scripture reading for today, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. This is out of the message paraphrase. So... Chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So I want to dig in, as I said, into Philippians 4-5 today. Philippians 4-5 says this, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Some of you may uh, know this as our parking lot verse. I posted this up in the parking lot when the parking lot started getting crazy on the weekends. And uh, you can see that when you drive in, it says, Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Because it's a great place to allow that to happen. Because we can get quickly frustrated when um, things don't go the way we want them to go. And, and, and yet the thing is this. This is one of the... Gentleness is this amazing thing. Because it helps us to kind of determine where we are. Just like being joyful in the Lord helps us to determine where we are. Both the idea of, of joy and gentleness are great um, sort of filters for us or, or warning lights, if you would, or, or indicators of how connected we really are to the Lord at that particular time. Um, they, they both sort of uh, involve very eternal sort of thinking instead of being very temporarily focused. And it makes a huge difference in your walk. And so when you're truly rejoicing in the Lord, um, you'll be gentle. It'll be an outflow of your connection to God. Um, When you're experiencing His presence uh, in your life, gentleness is a result. It's very hard to be selfish and rude when you're experiencing His new and living way. And so the idea of gentleness, though, is something that we have to understand. It means, um, at times, losing arguments. It means giving up so-called rights. Um, It means foregoing last words and letting others get their way. All of that's part of gentleness. I think how funny that is, how how much we sort of relish the all-important last word. How many times has the last word gotten you in really big trouble because you just had to have the last word? And then I wonder sometimes if it does it count, if does last word count if you just think it and don't say it? 
Because there's a lot of that going on. Or, maybe, maybe like me, you don't hear as well as you used to, and so you don't know that the last word came at you because you just never heard it. And then maybe you think you got it, but you didn't. But isn't it funny how important the last word is uh, in so many things? We don't like not having the last word. We don't like being one-upped. We don't like letting things go. Uh, it's a struggle. And so, um, our culture has become very bad at gentleness. And, and gentleness has gotten a really bad uh, rap in the culture because uh, in this verse, the idea and the context, the word means to be gentle, to be patient, to be moderate. But in our, our culture, people often associate gentleness as a sign of weakness. Uh, it's rarely considered a virtue in our society um, because our society has lost its general civility. It really has. Uh, and this happened really in not that long a period of time where we've, we've lost track of um, concern for others and we've become amazingly self-focused. We really don't care about anybody else. All we care about is us and what that looks like. And we're, we're bombarded with that idea. And, and so we've even got to the point where we, we tend to see being right or what we perceive as being right if we're right, um, giving us the, the right to behave badly, to manipulate others, to get what we want, to be rude, and to be extremely offensive. And that it's uh, evident wherever you go. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked a lot of times when I, when I just see how people are treated and how other people act um, towards people. And, and there's just uh, there's no kindness, there's no gentleness, there's no concern. It's a, it's a very big issue in our culture that we need to be aware of. And, and yet our culture is very wrong about gentleness because gentleness is not weakness. Um, I like this. This is an encounter that Elijah has with God. You know, all know God is all-powerful, uh, creator of the universe. And Elijah has his encounter with him in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And that was God. The, the gentleness of God. Uh, just speaking to the heart of Elijah. See, God, all-powerful God, is, is the most gentle of, of all. And, and we, we don't get that. And, and yet, the most powerful being is also the most gentle. Um, this gentleness was modeled... In, in the life of Jesus and in the ministry of Jesus, we, we see him moving through people, having tremendous compassion. He cares for the lost. He cares for the, the down and outers. He cares for the broken and the sick. And he, he sees them and he brings the kingdom to them. And then he shows them how they might enter the kingdom for themselves. He is the picture of gentleness in a broken world. And on the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches his disciples about the importance of gentleness. In Matthew 5, 5, he says, Blessed are the meek, or the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. And so I want to move into our message today by talking about the first part of that verse, uh, as we talk about what gentleness looks like uh, from Philippians 4, 5, and how important it is 
for us to be uh, gentle people in the world around us. And, and so, um, what does it mean, blessed are the meek? Because the verse could actually be saying that the joyful are the gentle. Blessed are the meek, joyful are the gentle. So in practical ways, what does it look like? First thing, gentleness is evident in how you treat people. Point number one, how you treat people. Romans 12, 9 and 10. Message paraphrase. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply and practice playing second fiddle. And the question you need to ask yourself, particularly as a believer in Christ, is one who has access to the most holy place and to the presence of God 24-7, how do you treat people? How do you see people in the world around you? Do you see them merely as part of the scenery and the machinery of your life? Or do you see them as people that God loves extravagantly? And this is a huge thing. Because I watch this all the time with believers who, who somehow um, we get so caught up in, in what about us and what we're trying to accomplish that we miss the people all around us. And they just become part of the, you know, the thing that we think is supposed to serve us and take care of us. And we miss the bigger picture all the time. Um, if you only see people as, as there to make your life work, you're missing... Um, the idea of why God put us here, and, and you're not being gentle. Uh, if there's a problem, or if things seem to take too long, do you take your frustration out on these people? Because that's usually what happens. We get frustrated at people, um, because it's not going the way we want, and we take it out on them. Do you take time to get to know people like that at all? Um, and then you can deepen it. You know, just not only the people that you that are kind of exi- you know out there. Um, that you, I remember the other day, like a week ago, I went to the post office, and uh, so I'm just trying to change up from Win Dixie. And uh, there was a big line at the post office. There was only one person working there because the other person was on lunch. And you know, if you listen to the news, you know the post office has its own set of issues. Uh, and and everybody was mad in line. Like this poor postal worker could do anything any faster than she was. She was going really fast and working through the line the best she could. There were just more people than there was help. And that's just the way it worked at lunchtime. And so, you know, when I got up there, I just I thanked her for what she did. Thank you so much for, for being. I know this has got to be hard and busy, busy. And all they just made a little communication. You could tell it was an immediate change because everybody else had been snapping. And you could hear them. You ever hear people in line? We're terrible at lines. People in line, you know, just getting really mad about standing in line. We hate lines. A grumpy and you know, roll eye roll. Don't you hate the eye rolls? You know, and it's like, well, what good does it do to get like that in line? It doesn't make the line experience any better. Line, you know, if we're going to have to stand in line, you should try and make them as fun as you can. You know, strike up a, a nice conversation. Not too happy because that that could be just as bad. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, something, anything. That, that take some time and pray so you're not getting mad at something. But we tend just to get frustrated because, and I could see, see it's funny, all week long now, I've been talking about, thinking about being gentle. And, and, and I keep feeling myself slipping out of it. And, and I go, well, okay, why? And it's always a frustration about, about something that's impacting me 
uh, significantly. Remember the other day I said I had to say it's not about me. It's not all about me. It's not all about me. Remember, it's not all about me. Still having to work on that when it comes to gentleness. So not only that, but how about people in your inner circle? Um, the people that you're close to, you have to ask yourself this. Is your relationship with them all about you? Or is it about them as well? And one of the best ways to answer that is to take a pulse on your frustration level with them. If you're frustrated with the people in your inner circle, your relationships are more about you than them. If you're feeling a lot of frustration by the people that you're with, it's because you're, you've gotten your, your focus isn't right. And so what we need to do, when you feel that coming on, take a deep breath and refocus. Remember, it's not all about you. Uh, and let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. You're in His presence. People should see you as a gentle person because the, we're not to be carried up in the same situations everybody else is. Secondly, um, uh, a gentle person asked to ask, figure this out. How do you handle what you know or at least what you think you know? Colossians 3, 12 through 14, this out of the NIV. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So you have to ask yourself questions like this. Are you teachable or do you think you have everything pretty much figured out? Do you have an opinion about almost everything that you feel uh, necessary to interject all the time? I've said this to you before, but I'll say it again. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean that everybody has to know it. It's, you should have opinions. That means you're thinking. But you, you, you don't have to get your opinion out into every situation. And in fact, most people will thank you if you don't. You don't have to agree with other people's opinions, but you don't have to fight them either. It's just, they're just opinions. They don't count for a whole lot. They're opinions. Um, and, they're, and they're not that important uh, in life. There's some things that are very important, but your opinions really aren't. All right? Um, do you think it's important to always prove yourself right? That's a, that's a big problem. You're not going to be gentle. If you always think you have to be right, do you ever stop and think that you might be wrong? Do you ever stop and think that there's some things that you can still learn? I hope so, because there is, all of us. Um, do you ever think about this? What's more important, proving yourself right or trying to figure out where somebody else is coming from? What's more important? One will make you gentle and one won't. Um, can you kind of walk with someone uh, hand in hand, even if you don't see eye to eye? Can you agree to disagree and still maintain relationship? With others, I mean, we're, we're supposed to. The Apostle Paul calls the church to it. Um, we just studied throughout 1 Corinthians, and he said, Listen, guys, you're going to have disagreements amongst yourselves, but you have to love each other through it. And, and in the context of love, then the Holy Spirit can move and, and bring truth into the situation. But um, there has to be a willingness to love and allow the Spirit of God to work. So how do you handle what you know or what you think you know? Third, how do you look at the world? Um, uh, because a gentle person looks at the world differently than someone who's really focused on themselves. First Timothy six ten through twelve, for the love of money, culture is a root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say there because people have read that verse wrong. It doesn't say money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money that's the problem. 
Um, the, and, and the culture has espoused to us that that's where life is found, is in having things. We've talked about that at length. Some people, eager for money and stuff, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We get back to this again. Are you more focused on the temporary things or the eternal things of life? What do you treasure in life? Where your treasure is, why that's important is where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Jesus told us that. And so if your treasure is, is focused on the things of the world, that's where your heart is. If you're focused on the things of the Lord, that's where your heart will be and it will cause you to look differently at the world that surrounds us. So these are areas that we all really need to practice gentleness in. And it's it's something you have to practice. You have to be you have to be mindful of what's going on, um, and 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 know that when you're when you're getting off track, it means you're you're losing contact with um, the the presence of God, and because He's near, and our gentleness is to be evident to all. We are in a world that doesn't experience gentleness, and and the big problem is that most people are either that you uh, they're either angry or afraid, or some combination of both, because they're fairly close. They're either angry or afraid. And, and a, a big part of that is they haven't yet connected with Jesus the way that they need to. Which brings up the second point of that Matthew 5 verse that I just want to touch on really quickly. Um, it says that the, the meek will inherit the earth. Um, gentleness brings with it the promise of inheriting the earth. But I want to make sure you know what that means. That word earth there in the Greek, it, it, it means at some, in some level the, the the, the actual ground, but it has a deeper meaning. The more consistent meaning of that is the inhabitants of the earth. And so the inheritance of the gentle people are, are, are the inhabitants of the earth. Um, our inheritance is the earth, including the occupants. And, and that's the mission of the church. And so the mission is to connect those people to God. They're our inheritance, and so being gentle is a big part of our mission. Getting connected to God in such a way that it, it shows itself and demonstrates itself in gentleness is a part, a huge part, of the mission that we have to help these people come to know Jesus. First Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, set, a pet, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, we have the truth. We're sitting on... The truth, the world needs in Jesus. But how we present the truth is, is significant, and it has to be presented with gentleness and respect. We have to live this thing out before people. We, you can't bang, you know, bash them over the head with it, and you can't get the attitude that because you know you're right, that you can just sort of point your finger at people and demand they get on the, on the ball, and into the bus and on the program, because they don't get it that way. You love them. You encourage them. You pray for them. You help them. You show them kindness. You, you talk to them. You, you don't have to challenge every little thing they say all the time. You, you listen. You know the truth. You can settle in Him. He'll guide you through it. He'll let you know when to speak. And He'll let you know how to speak. But it needs to come out as gentleness and not as a... As a you, you can't you know, sit with people and just chat with them where they're at. So, so everything that we do in our encounters needs to be done with His gentleness and, and respect. So we have to see people... It's not part of the scenery and the machinery in our lives, but as the inheritance God gives us, 
um, to get into the kingdom. Uh, and that, that is just one more lost child that needs to come back to dad. That's how you got to see these people. When you encounter them. If you, whenever you encounter someone, um, if they don't know Jesus, they're one more that need to come in. And your heart should just break for them. And then you look for ways not to just you, you, you be kind to them, to be gentle to them. To, you, you know, you may not get to share with them the truth right off the bat, but you live it in front of them and, and wait for opportunities to share as they ask with gentleness and respect. That's what it's supposed to look like. And that's a big part of what we're doing. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Amen. Amen. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for watching. If there's anything we can do, you can call us, write us, email us. We'll do whatever we can to help. And uh, we thank you for spending your time with us. We know how valuable it is. We're going to close here today with prayer. And we hope that you will join us again soon.